Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 6th round post-fight show with me, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, who has mercifully allowed me not to video videotape tonight's show. I say, I say videotape like the kids even know what a tape videotape is anymore. <laughs> has, not allowed, or has graciously allowed me not to vlog tonight's show because I am worn the hell out and do not need to be put on camera right now. You got a um, you got a pimple zane or something? Yeah, no, I'm just all yeah, you know, I'm all I'm all fried up. I was down at the racetrack today and like, okay. you know, yeah, like get like car racing. Yeah, yeah. Sick. Anyway, uh, we're here talking about this this UFC card that just went down at the Apex facility in Las Vegas, Nevada, headlined by a woman's bantamweight bout, Myra Buena Silva. Holly Holm and Myra Buena Silva coming through just when the division deeply, dearly, badly, unfathomably, unfathomably, terribly needed her to and getting a win over Holly Holm so that we didn't have to face the prospect of another Holly Holm title fight. Uh, well, I, I think um, my biggest takeaway for me, and I even hate finding joy in this, but Holly Holmes' Wallenstall tactics finally bitter in the ass. Yeah. No. I mean, you have to find joy in that. It's no fun to watch yeah. at all. It's a it comeuppance. Is, it is absolutely a fighter who was a world champion boxer. Hall of Fame boxer. Hall of Fame boxer. And a... Uh, not world champion or Hall of Fame kickboxer, but nonetheless a kickboxer and boxer who got into MMA, who got to the UFC, who got a thrilling KO, and then took a couple hard losses and lost a step and decided that her way to win fights was just through the grindiest, least fun, least inspiring wall install kind of performances that you could possibly imagine. Like, it's no fun. None. It's it is no fun to watch, and I'm sure she's a nice person. Uh, she seems totally lovely and whatever. Nothing about her and her personality. It's just no fun at all to watch. And the thing is, is that she's so she is such a physical beast. Uh, you know, five foot eight, absolutely powerfully built. That she really could just put people on the fence and hold them there, and there wasn't a damn thing they could do about it. And now she's 41. Yeah, and now she's 41. She has really lost a step. It's been actually really pretty apparent. Um, I, I thought it was really pretty apparent in like her Yana Santos fight, where it just was like, okay, this is home. Finally, looks a step, a real step slower. Um, 
And the thing is, is that it's just, it's, it's so predictable what Holly Holm is going to do in a fight. And nobody's been able to take advantage of it. Even the women that have beat her uh, have pretty much, you know, other than Amanda Nunes, they've all done it by submit or by decision. They've all had to go with their uh, with home grind. Misha Tate chose Yeah, Misha Tate way back in the day, but that's pre, you know, that's pre grind home. Yeah. Um, but everybody else has just had to, if they're gonna beat her, they've just had to go with, you know, beat her at her own game, basically, let not let her get her physicality going, but they haven't been able to put her away. And. It's, but it's so predictable. Like you know that Holly Holm is going to come after you, clinch you up, put you on the cage, and eventually she's gonna duck in and try to take you down, or she's just gonna hang around there. And Bueno Silva's the first fighter that really was just like, oh, I've got a plan for that. Yeah, you know? answers, answers for yeah. it. A standing ninja choke. Yeah, it was beautiful. Just. I the hate moment that they Holm called it a guillotine. They it's did. Not, it's, it's a ninja choke. Sad. Yeah. Even I have done zero hours of jujitsu in my life. Zero. Zero Quit minutes. <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I have joints that all work well still. Uh, <laughs> my neck doesn't hurt all. Well, it does now, but that's actually just from weightlifting. So that's that's my own stupidity. But anyway. I have done zero hours of jujitsu in my life. I know exactly, like, I see that exactly when it happens. I'm like, oh, that's a ninja choke. I see if somebody's got a, you know, both hands under the chin, it's a 10-finger guillotine or it's a front choke. I see if somebody's got somebody in a headlock, that's a bulldog choke. I see, you know, if somebody's got uh, an arm in guillotine or an omoplata, like I I learned all the terms because I have I watch the sport all the time. That's what I have to do. Analysis. Yeah. There's no reason that Dominic Cruz and D.C. championship level fighters should be like, oh, it's kind of a modified guillotine thing. Yeah. Well, Cruz did come around and call it a ninja choke. Yeah, he did. That's true. I'm not sure if he got that from his producers or what. Yeah. But it's just, yeah. What is, what is the breakdown here, dude? Come on. I know, yeah. I know you don't know how to judge fights. I know that's a, a bridge oh too far. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We'll get to that in a little bit. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. All right. Uh, but but I, Silva, she's finishing yeah. people. She's fun. She is, and she's exactly what that division needs. You know, she was, and credit to her too. She was punishing Holm in the clinch too. Holm. Oh, the elbows. She was walking right into every blitz home wanted to throw and eating all the kicks out at range. But when she actually got home, when home tied up with her and expected to just push her around, Buena Silva's a dangerous fighter inside. You yeah, know, she's, she's, she's got venom. Yeah, I almost, I, I, in my own, in my heart of hearts, I know it wouldn't have been scored this way had I gotten a look at the actual judges' scorecards. In my heart of hearts, I would have liked to give her round one because I think she did the more damage in that round with Ooh, her or Buena to, Silva. To, to Buena Silva oh, okay. with her bigger strikes. I know she didn't. I know there weren't enough of them. I know it was around home was going to win with her cage pushing and her early uh, leaf blower flurries. But I would have, you know, 
it was still if you looked at that oh who had the the who landed the shots that really made the other person uncomfortable in that round it looked like it was Buena Silva and her strikes inside late well another thing is Holm looked uncomfortable in her walkout yeah she didn't seem happy to be there for a, for a second that's true but i mean she had a a very dangerous opponent in front of her who, yeah. who can grapple? So it's like you do get the takedown, then what? That's true. Home didn't want the takedown. She just wanted to. She wanted to lay on the fence. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, backfired. Finally. Finally. And uh, yeah, I, you know, I don't know if they're gonna give Buena Silva a title. Shall we look at the rankings in that division? Why the fuck not? I yeah, that's kind of my feeling too, because. The uh, the uh, me, the fight to make for the title is Raquel Pennington versus Juliana Pena, which, oh. <laughs> yeah, who cares? And otherwise, everyone else is co- coming off a loss down to Penny Kianzad, ranked sixth. And so you've got your only women coming off a win in that division right now out in the top 10 are Buena Silva, Carol Hosa and Panny Kinzad outside of Raquel Pennington ranked number two. So well, really also has a, she has a nice little five fight winning streak going on, but like they're not, no, you got to put the finisher in there. Yeah. I mean, if they do it, Pennington will be pissed, but that, I know. I don't think, yeah, I don't think <laughs> they, that the UFC's necessarily going to care about that. And at the very least, if they do make Pennington Pena, then Silva should just get next. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That she's, I mean, you come out here and you, you, and the finishes that she's been getting, like, yeah. these are nasty submissions. That knee bar was wicked. The arm bar on Stephanie Egger was fast. And you you strangled Holly Holm standing up. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, beating Holly Holm is something that uh, Raquel Pennington wasn't able to do. Oh, and for sure. That was got, a long-ass time ago. No, well, it was also 2020 when they rematched. Mm. And didn't win that one either. I didn't even remember they fought twice. That's how forgettable that was. Yeah. So she does have that argument over Pennington. And this win over home will rock her rocket her up the up the standings. She will end up being ranked third after this, probably. Yeah, I would put her. I mean, if you're not gonna do a tournament, which they're not, yeah, which they should, you gotta put the most exciting person in there. And that's mm-hmm. Buena Silva. Yeah, I agree. So hopefully we get to see Buena Silva Pena. That would actually be kind of a fun title fight, honestly. Yeah, why not? It'd be messy and wild, but it'd be fun. Both the scrambles. Women, I want to see both the women scrambles. go after it. Yeah. You know? Pena won that belt once just because she was like the only woman out there willing to just bite down and take the hardest fight she could to Amanda Nunes. So they need to make it. They do. All right. That brings us to a welterweight fight. Man. Jack Della Madalena. Lopez. 
This fight was frustrating for me, man. I'm going to be honest with you. So it was so frustrating. It was so frustrating. And I had... I threw out a scorecard that I will stand by. I won't die for it because it's an MMA scorecard and nothing, no MMA scorecard is worth dying for it. <laughs> but I firmly, I firmly believe Jack Della Maddalena should have gotten a 30-26 and should get his, 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 his brown belt taken away from him. <laughs> All uh. in the same same motion. Um okay, so you gave the first round to Jack Della Madalena. Yep. Let me ask you this. Yep. Was he closer to finishing the fight in that first round? Uh see that was the one with the arm triangle. Yeah. JDM ended the round in the arm triangle, I believe. Yeah. I think no, Zane, the answer is no. He was not. He was question. Uh, he had the, the shitty guillotine. If I'm going to give, uh, you know, points for like a sub. No, that's a shitty guillotine. Uh, Basil had a, a legit arm triangle that was pretty deep. I can I can see the arm. I can see and will concede the arm triangle argument. I I would argue that round one was easily the closest round of the fight. I will still... Yeah, the next two were Jack all day. Yeah, the next two were Jack all day. The round three, people are like, oh, it's not... He outstruck him six to one. Like, Hafez was half dead out there. If Jack did not have the worst grappling IQ, the worst fight IQ known to man... (laughs) Well, slow down. Slow down. It ain't that bad. It was... he had a dead man in front of him, and he ended that fight on his back. No, he did. But I mean, he also had to cut weight twice. He also had a he also had to cut weight two weeks in a row. True, but I don't think that was the problem here. The problem was that he was jumping a guillotine every time Hafez entered the clinch on him, and he got lost grappling Hafez like he was on his back flattening him out and couldn't do it and just lost focus on the position. He got swept. Yeah. Well, he got, yeah. Um, he got reversed. And the weird thing about that is up until that point, he was beating the piss out of him on the feet. He was. He was beating the piss him. out of him. Right. And killing. so, um, so the rever- reversal happens and uh-huh. then, Dom's instantly like, oh man, he's laying on him for a minute. He might have taken that round. And it's like, what? Yeah. He just got the fucking shit beat out of him. He was rock eating flush yeah. shots. Hitting a reversal and laying on someone doesn't even come close to negating no. that. I don't no. know how the fuck this was a split decision. I don't know either. Like I said, I will, I won't die for it, but my argument was 30-26. And I will I will concede you know, 29, 27, if need be. But yeah. I, you have to score the last two rounds for Jack Della Maddalena. And anything, like, the if you have to score round three of 10-9, it is the most wide, obvious, unquestionable 10-9 that you could ever give out in your life. Oh, clean. So clean. You know, you can't, to me, you can't give Basil Hafez 
a 10-9 in round one and then turn around and tell me that Jack Della De Maddalena's round three is worth the same. Oh, yeah. I don't. I honestly, I have no idea how you could you could score it for. I mean, credit to to Basil. He he showed up and did exactly what yeah. he was supposed to do. Went hard right out of the gate. I mean, all the credit to him. But yep. he wasn't doing the damage. No, it, this was this is pure uh, expectancy bias, where Madalena was expected to walk through Hafez so easily that. Hafez doing anything other than just getting blown out had people absolutely losing their minds. And it's the also the optics of Madalena's terrible fight IQ. His terrible grappling decision making. Which and the horrible commentating. Yes, and got, the horrible you, commentating. Your your two uh color guys are wrestlers. <laughs> yeah. Like Overhype and takedowns like crazy. Overhype and control better. like crazy. They know better. They've been told. They went to the workshops. They did, did the <laughs> hand. They did the the coloring book version of the handbook. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, that was that was tough. I mean, so many things were frustrating. The jumping of the guillotines. Yeah. Uh, the commentary. Just this was this was a really frustrating fight. It really was. The fact I, I, that it was a split decision. Uh, Jack, though, man dodged a bullet because he was supposed to fight Sean Brady. Oof. Yeah. And if that was his game for that fight, like, I will say maybe it's the double weight cut. Maybe it's that he just needs, like, maybe he's one of those dudes who has to prepare very specifically for one person. And if he got somebody else on last minute, He's just going to throw his whole game plan out the window and wing it. Maybe that's how he goes. It doesn't seem well, like he should be. He's, he, he's a dude who spars every day of his life, clearly. So he should just kind of be gym ready, you'd expect. You would expect. But you also, I mean, the double weight cut. But that's all. Like, he lives in Australia. Yeah. So that's spending an extra week away and that you didn't plan for. And now you're eating on the road and you've already peaked. It's It's really hard to fight. Or, or be ready for a fight, fight week, and then your fight not yeah. out, and then the very next week you're you're right back into it. It's not easy to do. Look at yeah. a, who was that that, that flyweight Zumagulov. Yeah, Zumagulov. Look at him, man. Yeah, he just got cut too, which is some bullshit. Yeah, I'm just saying Jack dodged a bullet here because yeah, he his you know. If he has like a different grappling gym that he goes to, that's not his main camp, that's there in his corner, his head coach needs to call up that grappling gym and be like, "What are you doing to this guy? <laughs> what what are you working on? Is it is it jumped guillotines? Because that never needs to ha should never happen again." Jack Della Maddalena has won exactly. Well, his last fight was a submission. Yeah, he's but... won exactly zero fights by guillotine. Ever. You should never be jumping a guillotine. Well, Zane, if you don't try it, you'll never do it. Well, he shouldn't ever try you, it. You gotta risk it for the biscuit. Yeah, if you're... We also, we have to shout out the chin on Basil. Holy yeah, fuck, yeah, man. that's the real star here. Really Holy shit, dude. He ate clean, flush shots and just stood there and took it. Even yep. when he was wobbled, like, he just wouldn't go down, man. That's tough yeah. to deal with, too. 
It is. No, it, I, more than anything, that's got to be the biggest thing that was tough to deal with. Is Della Maddalena, like, you can even look at the stats and, like, the the striking percentages. Because it felt like Della Maddalena ate a bunch of shots he shouldn't. Yeah. But statistically, Basil Hafez only landed 25% of the strikes he threw. Right. Like, he didn't. Della Maddalena fought a well, you know, all things considered, a pretty good defensive fight on the feet. On the feet, for how many shots were being thrown at him, but it is a real testament to Hafez that he is so willing to stand in the pocket like that and just bite down and throw, and that he can take it to do that. Like, is he on painkillers? Like, how? Yeah. How in no the kidding. world can a human body sustain that? Jacket's yeah. hard. Dude's a knockout artist. And he was landing clean. And he, he's the kind of puncher, too, that he surprises you. He, he will yeah. put combinations together that are made to hit you really hard at angles you don't expect. And he did it to Hafez several times. And Hafez just took it. So, Yeah. Bananas fight. Definitely yeah. not what I expected. Yeah. Not, not a great showing for Jack, but he walks away with a win. Which is, you know, if you're going to take a really chancy, uh, high-risk, low-reward, f- short-notice fight like that, that's kind of the best you can ask for sometimes. Yeah, I feel bad for anyone that laid the chalk on him. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, right? Holy smokes. Somebody had somebody had a heart attack out there. <laughs> All right. That brings us to a lightweight bout. Francisco Prado, Atman Azaitar, and... Uh, yeah, I'm not like this was a cool fight. I'm not terribly surprised by the way it went. Uh, uh, Zaitar has always had a real glass cannon feel to him, and I think an imploding gas can glass cannon. Yeah, he, he will do it to him. He will shatter his own glass. Yeah, he will and... confuse himself with his own chaos. But he actually was reserved here. Like he was showing respect for what was in front of him. Well, I think he's trying to fix that. I think, you know, Frivola is the first guy to ever beat him. So that was probably a wake up moment of like, Oh, I gotta, I gotta take it a little easier, play it a little cooler, be a little less wild. But, you know, unfortunately, like in a career, it's already nine years long. At some point you kind of also got to dance with the one that brought you, you know, like a more, a less aggressive, less wild Atman Azaitar is kind of a guy more less likely to do the damage that wins him those fight the fights that he's won. He was looking great out there, man. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. He was he was landing some slick boxing. Like he he was he looked better than ever. Honestly, yeah, he looked but all right. He looked improved. He looked improved. Um, but he was but, fighting a big step down too. I mean, for well, Prado looked good, but he's you know. I mean, on paper, a big step down. Yeah, Pr- Prado Drew Dober's Drew Dober's evil twin man is nothing to, nothing yeah. to laugh off. No, he's not. He's he's the kid's got some quality. He's just got to stop short arming everything. He he has a real bad habit of tucking all of his punches as he throws them. Yeah, and, but he'll throw some fucking crazy spinning elbows. Yeah, no, he up. set that elbow up perfectly. Man, he's 21 years old, dude. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And his ground and pound was so savage here. That yeah. was so ferocious. And yeah. at first, 
I thought this was kind of an early stoppage. I was like, yeah. what are you doing? Why are you stopping it? He clearly given you the thumbs up like he's OK. <laughs> but then I remembered that giving the thumbs up is not a martial arts move. No, that is not a defensive or offensive move. And it is not intelligently defending yourself. It only makes sense in submission, in a submission attempt where you literally have to show the ref just that you're still conscious. Right. Like uh, Duraev was caught in a submission at the end of a round, gave the yeah. ref the thumbs up. Cool. That makes Keep sense. Fight on. But yeah. here you're getting wailed on. You already get, you're, you're bloody. You just yeah. got dropped. You just got smashed on the ground. Uh, credit to him, he did kick away and create some separation. But like as he's doing that, he just completely gives the referee his undivided attention, two thumbs up like the Fonz, and the ref's like, oh, well, you know you're fighting, right? Why are you talking to me? Like you're not defending yourself. Yeah. This, this is done. Also, I got to say, I think the only reason he got that separation, he got that kickoff, is because Prado could see the ref stepping in and stopped winging overhands at at uh, Azaitar just long enough for Azaitar to get his feet on his hips and kick him back. Like if the ref didn't isn't stepping in to break to break that fight up and stop it, I don't think Azaitar gets his feet in position to kick off, and I don't think you see that separation. And let's also mention uh, one of those punches woke him back up because yeah. the fight could have been stopped. I mean, moments before that. Yeah, no, he he was get the each hammer fist that hit him was hitting him hard and clean and undefended. And the ref has every reason. If they see you take three shots that are undefended on the ground, just step in and call it done. Yeah, the ref gave him he told him to improve his position and he didn't. Yep. He tried. I mean, he just didn't. I'm OK with no. the stoppage. Yeah. Like I say, I, I think the only reason he did at all when the fight was getting stopped is because the fight was already getting stopped at that point. You know? Yeah. If, if, the, if the ref isn't waving it off, Prado is right there on top of him, still keeping on dropping, dropping hammers on him. And I hate to be that guy, but it won't going to get any better. <laughs> no. It wasn't. No, he's, not, he's not, he's not known for battling back and, as, no, Azaitar, like Azaitar, he's always struck me as a glass cannon, and the way he was getting drilled after getting hurt did not look like a man on the on on the cusp of a major comeback. How about that kick check Prado did that busted open the shin of Azaitar? Yeah, that, that was, was sweet. Big. Yeah. Shout out to the defense. That, and that did stop the kicking game entirely. Oh like, yeah, not another leg kick was thrown. Yeah, that, as they noted, as the booth very correctly noted, like you check a kick like that, that will stop somebody from kicking you. Yeah, that was cool. That is, I mean, we got to see more of that at some point in MMA because the the calf kick has become such a staple. Fighters are going to have to start learning how to really check kicks hard. Yeah, so. which I mean, they do all the time in Muay Thai. Yep. Great win for Prado. See what it matches him up next. Some, but someday we got to see that Drew Dober fight, that mirror match. You know that <laughs> that video game, the 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 Tekken battle where you unlock the like black and white version of your character. Right, right. <laughs> that man. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe they should just go train together because they kind of seem kind of far away. True. true. Career wise. Yeah. Well. 
It's the UFC. Like, Drew Dover's coming off a loss. Prado gets one more win. He's going to be right there. Mm-mm, maybe. I mean, he shouldn't be, but it's, <laughs> it's UFC. They'll I would just... love to. I would love. Well, you know what? what? Our, the UFC's doing that dumbass uh, win a chance to be a matchmaker for a day. So maybe someone will win that yeah. and, and make that fight. Nice. Uh, have you entered yet, Zane? And if so, I... how many times? <sighs> okay, look. Just. <laughs> 15 or 30 times <laughs> tonight tonight yeah it'll be either zane simon or zanislav simonson <laughs> or uh uh you know zane simon Z- zane simon yeah jin jin simon you know i'm i'm gonna go through all the iterations i hate everything about that it's like hey Let's just put the lives of these people in the hands of people who um, aren't professionals at this. Yeah, no kidding. It's really like, you know. It feels so meaty and like inhumane. I don't know. It feels like such an easy way to take a shot at Mick Maynard that I don't want to do it. Just being like, oh, yeah, Mick, you you know, you really you're really putting to get you putting your best work out there. such such a such a great job that you can put it out as a, your your job out as a contest, right? You know, That's insane. Honestly, anyway, uh, let's talk about the fight that really got me excited tonight: Jun Young Park, Albert Durayev, and I felt a little tinge of sadness going into this because I'm like, man, Jun Young Park's like five foot ten. He's not. A, a physical beast. He is going to get ground and lay and prayed by this, you know, Dagestani wrestling specialist. And I don't want to see it. I like Jun Young Park. I like his game. I love a fighter that builds builds be- momentum behind his jab. Oh, a beautiful jab. Yeah. But Durayev didn't want to wrestle. He didn't really he he tried it once and Park scrambled back up. He took him down though. It wasn't like an impossible to get takedown, but Drive spent most of this fight just thinking he could outslug Park. And Well, I think he gassed himself out with that takedown in the in that first round. Yeah, well, if that's the case, that's a that's a big, you know, that that's a big problem because well, that that's what well, you do. That's your whole game. Yeah, but you also have to understand that Park exploded the nose of Durayev with the with that jab early in the yeah. fight. So I mean, he's breathing through his mouth at that point, and then he had that guillotine slapped on him at the end of the first. Like he had a rough first round where he he did some damage himself, but the the second round, the pressure that was put on him, he just he didn't have the energy for that. He no. was getting overwhelmed. He didn't look comfortable at all. He looked desperate at a lot yeah, of points. The, the moment he got set to be that he was going to have to be on his back foot because he couldn't handle the jab, the fight was over. Like, yeah. if you get if you're Albert Durayev trying to fight on the counter off your back foot, none of your game is made to survive that. So, but yeah. I mean, he he just didn't he didn't try to wrestle for like the first three minutes of the fight, and that is probably what really damned him. Yeah, I think he he kind of fell in love with the damage he was doing with those leaping yeah. hooks. Park's a tough dude. Like, even 
you know, when uh, Gregory Rodriguez beat him, he had to he had to scramble with Park to the point that Park got tired before he could get that win. Yeah, before he could knock him out. It, it wasn't just a like, oh, I just caught him with something big and that was it. It was a very exhausted Park in that yeah. fight. And and Park looked. He looked the same amount of freshness for the whole fight. Yep. Like he never looked. He didn't take a single, a single, uh, like step backwards. Like it was, it was a hundred percent the same speed. It was very economical. Yeah. When you have that building style like that, where you're really, you know, you're getting the jab flowing, you're working your combinations behind it, you're finding the openings that are exposed by your jab. It's a very natural, fluid way to fight. It it it's something that the fighters that can do that usually can do it kind of nonstop because it's it just doesn't you know it it gets your body into a really comfortable rhythm. I'm curious to see how that's going to scale at the higher yeah. at higher up in the rankings because I, I still think I mean it, it's always going to require him to be stepping in and in the pocket with bigger, heavier punching dudes. So I always worry about that with him. And he's just, he's not a big physical freak in that division. You know, I'm taller than him. And the the heavier the weight classes go, I feel like the less effective the jab gets. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, there's a lot more guys who out there who can land the one hitter quitter while you're building the momentum. Right. Um, I mean, coming over the top of the jab, that's. Yeah. That's a knockout punch. So I I I love Park. I'm always gonna root for Park. I'm happy to see his success. Get him in there with like you know get him in there with Sean Strickland someday. Ooh, I love. Oh, a battle of the jabs. That's right. That's fun. Yeah. The Iron Turtle. Yeah, he's a fun dude. How about that little dance he did at the end? I love the dance. That was nice. It was that was super fun. We didn't uh, deserve I, it, but I'm glad he did it. I, I love rooting for that dude, honestly. He's he's got a style that I love to watch. So I'm really happy he won. I didn't think he would, but that pleases me. Uh that brings us to a women's featherweight bout. Norma Dumont, Chelsea Chandler, and Okay. <laughs> talked a little we talked a little shit about Jack Della Madalena's grappling coaches and how maybe they should have their belts taken as well as his well those are your words not mine yeah. yeah okay well i talked the shit you 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 nodded and didn't stop me so well uh, i mean you're entitled to your opinion it was a it was a poor FIQ performance for sure but i don't know about yeah. taking away the belt he still won he still won but chelsea chandler her coaches did not she was not ready Fuck no, dude. She was not ready at all. This was legit fight or flight. Like, yeah. le- like she got stung in that first round and immediately turns 180 degrees and runs in the opposite direction from her all opponent. The way into the cage. All she the way to the ran cage. In, not to, into. Like, the she... referee... Could could have stopped that stopped it just for that. That is not intelligently defending yeah. yourself. And believe me, I've seen a lot of MMA. I've seen plenty of guys run around the cage or the octagon yep. or whatever, 
but it's never just this linear i'm running directly away it's yeah. they skirt along the the exterior or along, along the perimeter but this was a beeline turn around beeline pure flight i make i talk a lot of shit about dominic cruz's commentary but this was his golden shining moment when he was like that's why they locked those doors otherwise <laughs> we'd run all the way out of there yeah no kidding and it was <laughs> like Mm, that was perfect, Donald. It's the ultimate flighting championship. Yeah. That's but... a 10 sevenable offense, in my opinion. That's a 10 7 round. <sighs> yeah. 10 I, 7. I, yeah. It was, it, it that wasn't should have been that stopped way. at that should've moment. Been, yeah, it could have been, honestly. Should have been. Should have been. been. That's the but end of the fight. Even, even without the run, even without the sprint, because you could argue that that shoot. It may be that she got clubbed so hard in that moment that she literally did not know what was going on for a minute. So she just was like, I need to go do some cardio. <laughs> just, just suddenly, like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what's happening. I need to get out of here for, you know, a second before her brain clicked back on. Yeah, it's fight or flight, pure yep. instincts. Like, hey, I need um, to get the fuck out of here. But whatever the case with that one moment... She was not ready for any of the rest of the fight either. Yeah. You know, she yeah. she pulled guard when she got into the clinch. She had no aggressive ground game off of her back that she could uh, make trouble Dumont with at all, which I was surprised by. She Chandler looked great in her debut with her grappling game and her transition game on the mat. Um, but... Dumont just shut her down utterly there. She had no defense walking into the pocket. She had no footwork to track Dumont down when she was trying to land strikes on her. Like, there was not one point in her game that was successful enough to fight Norma Dumont. Not even to win, but just to fight her. Yeah, this was an ass whooping. It, it, was, was, am it was amusing, though. I'll say that. It was. It was funny. It gave us a meme for the rest of our lives. <laughs> um... But yeah, Chandler Chandler's coaching staff should take a hard look in the mirror. I mean, I hope she feels like this was a learning moment for her to be like, oh my God, there's a huge level of this that I'm not ready for. Right. But the rest of her coaching staff needs to take a hard look in the mirror and be like, wow, we really did not prepare this person for this. Man, that's a tough one. That's it's because it's not just that people lose all the time, right? Yeah. No big deal. Yeah. People get knocked out, submitted or whatever. Yeah. But this is an embarrassing loss. Yeah, like, like Duray have lost, and he's, you know, he, he was out there competing. He was hurting Park, Junyun Park. He was, yeah. he took him down. He had, he had plenty of moments in the first round of that fight, and it was a tough fight. He lost. He lost maybe because he got tired from grappling too much. Uh, he lost because he picked the wrong thing to do. He didn't try to take Park out of the he didn't try to take park off his feet right away he just tried to slug with him and got caught up in a fight that he wasn't prepared to win but he had tools to f have success all throughout that fight up until he lost it right Chandler it was a respectable one yeah. tool not a respectable performance yeah it's man it's really and it, you know credit to Norma Dumont she's calling for her title shot and all that but She's not some world beater like Carol Hosa almost almost took her lunch money in the third round of their fight. Wasn't Chandler talking a bunch of shit before this? Yes. That makes it even worse. 
Yeah. This is like, I don't know if you can come back from this, honestly. Well, might she, be so, in PFL if the women's featherweight division is, you know, if, if the UFC's not going to actually do anything with it. What would you say is the number one most important self-defense technique in the world, hands down? Uh, d- distance management, running away. Exactly. And that's what we got here. Yeah. We got Chelsea Chandler in 100% defense mode, yeah. running away. The fight should have been stopped. That's a 10-7 round. Yeah, it is. Unfortunately, um, yeah, it's a tough one because... I mean, I I think she'll probably bounce back mentally from this. I think she'll she seems crazy enough that she'll just go right back to the grind and be like, "Yeah, I lost. That sucks. I'm back to doing it." But their coaching staff needs to be like, "Man, what are we preparing this person for?" Because it was not that fight. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> All right, uh, lightweight bout: Nazim Sadikov, Terrence McKinney, and uh, holy shit! Yeah. Holy shit, dude. What do you mean, yeah? No, I mean, it's cool. It's just I'm so used to seeing, like, Terrence McKinney is such a I did something incredible or it didn't work and now I'm having a huge meltdown kind of fighter. This was really cool. That's what happened. Yeah. But, like, this, we got one of the top five rear naked chokes of 2023. really cool rear naked choke. Top five. Yeah. Hands down. And like people, good. people get these from Omoplatas, and this is yeah. this is right there with that. McKinney had his arm trapped behind his back when yeah, when uh, Sadikov put the hooks in and took the back. So honestly, that's a hammerlock. That's that's almost a Kimura. Yeah. Like when you watch after the tap, McKinney when he rolls over, his he can't even like get his arm back. Like it is mm. stuck in that spot. That yeah. was brutal. That was a brutal finish. Yeah, I'll say this for for the McKinney meltdowns I've seen. This is the most understandable. Like he just got he just got screwed. Yeah, I got caught in a bad position. Yeah, you know, left his arms out there. That's a yep. that's a that's his wrestling base. Not the not the that's not a jujitsu thing. I mean, jujitsu yeah. guys, it's always elbows in. Yeah, but you know, shit happens, right? It's a fight. Yep. Yeah, and I he man he McKinney is just really he is such a lightning in a bottle kind of fighter. Like he can do something incredible in every fight, but he can't recreate it. You know, it's just like all the all the speed, all the dynamic ability, the wrestling technique, all the stuff is there. It's just if things start going wrong, everything just starts to explode at light speed. <laughs> Yeah, it really is all or nothing. Yeah. It's an interesting case. It is. It is really weird. Like, I think it was Connor, uh, my the Vivisection co-host, give him a shout-out on, who was saying on Twitter, like, he's never seen a fighter who is so, like, has such a, like, bully style where when they're dominating they are absolutely crushing it and the moment somebody brings the fight back to them they are absolutely just got like down in flames no mckinney would be a uh he would be world champion if his opponents weren't allowed to fight back yeah (laughs) 100 (laughs) percent they all would be at that point but yes yeah you know there's something to be said for defense yeah well Definitely, and he doesn't have any. Um, but great win for Sadikov. He rode out the rough spot. 
rallied and, uh, you know, got a solid win out of it. Yeah, man. that's He's from Azerbaijan. There's something in the water over there. <laughs> Karate Combat's welterweight champion, Rafael Agaev. He's a silver medalist Olympian. He like he's a fucking just monster, just a tank. Mm-hmm. There's they got some fighters over there. You wouldn't think it, but no, a lot of those kind of a lot of those. Uh, well, you know, Azerbaijan isn't necessarily. They're not really Eastern Europe, are they? Uh, sort of in that nebulous, slightly. Yeah, you could. I guess you could call them that. Yeah, it's it's the the Georgia area kind of thing, but a lot of the, the you know the to make a sweeping generalization that I probably shouldn't. A lot of the countries in that part of the world, especially former Soviet states, have programs that they actually like state sponsored building, ha- having athletes that compete in things. Right. And so you just yeah you get a lot of wicked fighters out of out of systems like that where you have like schools where. Kids are going to go and they're going to learn wrestling along with their education or they're going to go to a school and learn karate along with their education, you know? Yeah, I think that's great. I think all I think every school should offer martial arts. Yeah, well, I mean, like these are even, you know, it's not even like offering it's see it with like China, too. It's like, no, you're going to go to a school that is based around being an athlete in this kind of thing. And we see that, uh, I mean, globally with with soccer or football. Yeah. As they yeah, say. we see that same with soccer. Same. Yep, same thing. And we're seeing it somewhat in, more in the U.S. where you're getting like, you know, high uh, uh, private high schools that are known for their basketball. Oh, where yeah. exactly. you know, if you're a top basketball recruit, you're going to go play for this high school that has one of the best basketball programs in the country. Stuff like that. Yeah, cool to see though, man. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome comeback finish. All right. Uh, for that, Melsic Bogdasarian beat Tucker Lutz. Yeah, I mean, Lutz just didn't have the control to really take take Bogdasarian off of his game. Got stuck on the outside a lot. Just got well. Here's where he went wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. And that he control without damage. Yeah. Come back and haunt you. Yep. You, especially when you use all that energy to hold somebody down. And like for what? Just yep. to bag around? Good. And now you're fucking tired and the dude's piecing you up because you start yeah. around on your feet. You got to yeah. be sprinkling in the damage. Yeah. You got to be doing something to make them have to work while you're on the ground, too. Exactly. Magdasarian yeah. was kind of just chilling. Like he was just letting him, uh, you know, do his do his thing. Yeah. Which I mean, the smart. He was conserving his gas tank. He wasn't, uh, you know, doing big movements trying to explode. He was staying safe. He wasn't in danger. He wasn't getting pounded on. Sure, he dropped around, but he definitely made made up for it on the feet. Yeah. It was. Uh... It was it was uh, it was fine, you know. It was a fine fight, fine performance from Bogdasarian and from Lutz. Just he's kind of getting tried. He, he seemed like he had a, like a fun kind of busy boxing style with his wrestling early on in the UFC, but I think yeah, there's just not enough damage to his game, honestly, at this point. Man, he got away from those body kicks. He was landing mm-hmm. some really good body kicks early in the first, and then just stopped. 
Well, I think it's because he got tired. I, I think it's also just because it only took a couple kicks from Bogdasarian to realize that while Lutz could do some damage there, he was not half as comfortable as Bogdasarian was in that fight. Oh, yeah. You know, if you're going to be trading kicks with Bogdasarian from range, you're going to be fighting exactly the fight he wants and none of the fight you want. So it was good. They were good. They definitely. But I think, yeah, I don't know. Just not not a great performance from him. No. He got hurt in the second round, and then he got hit yeah. in the nuts. And then he yeah. got poked in the eye in the third. Just a bad night at the office. Yeah. All right, that brings us to a one strawweight bout. Victoria Dudikova, Estella Nunes, and probably the nastiest dislocation I've ever seen. Not in that, like, it's not the nastiest break. We've seen some really nasty limb breaks. And I'm sure nastier dislocations have happened, but actually see getting to see the image, the the X-rays. Oh yeah. Afterward, like complete ball out of socket. Yeah, those are those two bones are in totally different places after that dislocation. Like. I'm. Uh, we just saw. We just got shown an update that like the arm is back together, mm. but I have to assume there's some serious ligament damage in there. Oh, it's going to be real easy for that to pop out again. Yeah, it's going to be a normal thing. Like, yeah, that sucks. That it sucks. Does. Gruesome though. I mean, that's why posting's so dangerous from a takedown. Like, not a good idea. Who did we see that? Uh, Mark Coleman versus Shogun Hula. Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. same, same. Yep. Well, not same, same, but same, same. Yeah. Posting is just never a good idea. Honestly, dude, when I'm in jujitsu class, I won't even sit down with my arms behind me posting up. Like, just mm-hmm. hanging out during instruction, because you never know who's rolling around, who might stumble or fall, and it's so yeah. easy for your elbow to get, you know, just mangled. Mm-hmm. So I won't even sit like that. I'm so paranoid of hyperextending my, my elbow. I mean, like half the injuries you hear about in MMA training camps are somebody on the mats rolled onto me or mm-hmm. I was rolling and rolled into somebody else. That's like that rolling around and wrestling and grappling is a really easy way to get really hurt, especially when you're doing it like so many so many people do in these big camps where you're doing it in a room with a bunch of other people doing it. Yeah. And, you know, you hear all about like guy was rolling around doing like, you know, grappling around with somebody and just slammed his head into somebody else's head. Like, I I'm see pretty it sure all the time that what that's what happened to uh, what's his name? The team alpha male guy who got the concussion and never fought again. Oh, who was that? Uh, oh, God. Forever ago. Damn. Um, like medically, like the doctor was like, Hey, you can't, you can't have another concussion. Well, he just got a concussion that he could never recover from. The symptoms never went away. Wow. I can't remember his name now. It's been so long. Let me see if I can Damn. find. Did the... he actually make it to the UFC? Yeah. Yeah. He, he came through the ultimate fighter. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Chris Holdsworth. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, isn't that Thor? No. 
Oh, that's Chris Hemsworth. Chris, yeah, Chris holds it down. Holdsworth was his nickname, uh, and yeah, he's that sucks man. Been a wrestling and grappling coach at Team Alpha Male since then, but uh, yeah, he never was able to fight again after that. It was just uh, six six fight in six fights into his career. And prize fighting is a tough life. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so hopefully Nunes. Yeah, hopefully she can make a full recovery. As you say, though, that arm is probably going to be a trick arm, a trick elbow forever. Man, this was so gruesome. Like, you could see the ball sticking. It didn't poke through the skin, but it was bulging. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a featherweight bout. Mackenzie Costa, Austin Lingo. And uh, Lingo just got stuck on the outside against Costa. He didn't have the the foot speed to catch up to him and Got kicked around a lot in this fight. And this was a brilliant performance by Costa. I mean, brilliant. I'll say this. Like, if you can't maintain the same pace for three hard rounds, let alone five, it behooves you to attack your opponent's midsection early and often. And that's what Costa did here. Yeah, He was brutalizing the body. So by the yep. time the third round came around and he was flagging, the, the body shots had already been accumulated. And, and the guy in front of him, who may not have, have been putting out the same um, effort or energy levels, was still fatigued from the beating he took. Mm-hmm. So this was, this was brilliant on many levels. Yeah. Great fight for, for Costa. Rough night for Lingo. Like, I say he just he he got stuck way outside of the pocket for far too long, and uh, you know I can't blame him. He just he's not he's not the fastest dude out there. He's gonna have trouble tracking Costa down. But yeah, and then he got out grappled at the, yeah. end of the third. So yeah, brilliant performance from Costa, great, who is great. huge. He is huge yeah. for one twenty five. Definitely. For that, Evan Elder, Gennaro Valdez, Slobberknocker. Banger. Yep. Both dudes just had a lot to prove. Elder proved more. Hurt Velas- or hurt Valdez a few times. Got hurt a couple of times. Um, Why is this not fight of the night? Uh, JDM Hafez was because <laughs> Jack Della Madalena kept making terrible mistakes that let Hafez back in it. So That's insane to me. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, because, like, I showed up. I had to catch up on all these after I got home. So maybe Dana White had to, like, catch up on them, too, after he got there. Yeah, I'm sure he went back and caught up on them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he spent his time watching those fights. No, man, Valdez and and, um, Elder, like, they both scored knockdowns here Mm -hmm. in the same round. Yeah, it was was fun. This was fantastic. This this fight was awesome. So many knockdowns and just like the jab was rocking Valdez. Mm-hmm. This was a great fight. Yeah, a lot of fun. Fight of the night, in my opinion. Let's see. Before that, we got flyweight bout Azot Moxum, Tyson Nam, and um, not a great fight. Like just kind of a low simmer fight. Nam is, he, he's always been a low output pressure, ca- pressure counter puncher, a guy who really wants to walk you down slowly, get you reacting, get you th- trying to stop his pressure and throw. 
he can counter over the top of it. Maxim, you go watch his fight footage from the originals, and he's not much of a pressure fighter, but he is a pretty like low output, take his pick his spots to land really sharp combos kind of fighter. And uh, they had a pretty slow paced flyweight fight for it. Yeah, I mean, if you would have if you watch it, you wouldn't even think they were flyweights. No, no. Yeah, we're talking a... about this on the Vivi that a lot of flyweights that they're finding these days really do not have that like third gear style that really defines top end elite flyweights. It feels a lot more like they're finding guys who fight a lot more like bantamweights that are without able the to power. One twenty five. Bantamweights without the power. Yeah. Yeah. And, Although, uh, I mean, Nam can crack. Yeah, he he's, just, got, he's, he wasn't, got, he's got power. But... He wasn't given those opportunities for that one-hitter-quitter. Like, he went for it in the third, and he tried his best, but Maxim was actually pretty tough and yeah. able to be elusive enough to not get pantsed. Yeah, it was just meh. Yeah. Uh, otherwise... Also, also on the mess scale, Alexander Munoz beat Carl Deaton the third. And um, you didn't like this one. It just seemed to me like Munoz mostly just kind of outboxed Deaton. Which, What's wrong with that? <laughs> but I not mean, even, dude. Not even, because I mean, this is this is the perfect example of how stats don't tell the whole story, because. Yeah. Deaton was landing all the volume, but yeah. Munoz was doing all the damage. Yeah. I mean, all the damage. I mean, off of like maybe eight strikes or something, like some absurdly low numbers. So he was losing the, the, the actual striking battle in terms of numbers, but the power was just yeah. too much for Deaton to deal with. And uh, another thing, Munoz was – he was fighting with like a governor or something. Like, you're talking about flyweights with the third gear. He wouldn't even shift into second gear until, yeah. like, the third round. Yeah. That's why I was like, I. this was what I watched in highlights. Like, I, I watched a minute of it, and I'm like, okay, skipped a minute later. They're still at range. Munoz is winning. And I'm like, if Alexander Munoz is going to win a three-round boxing match with Carl Deaton III, I do not need to see that fight. No, it was great, dude. Yeah. Not great, but it, I mean, it was a solid fight. It was fun. Okay. Like real time, I, I definitely enjoyed it. Well, I'm glad. I, I admit, like I didn't, you know, it didn't strike me as special watching watching it in part bits and pieces. But maybe I'll have to go back and catch the whole thing. Yeah. And uh, otherwise, to open the open the night, uh, nobody is shocked that Ashley Evan Smith absolutely did not show up again. Ah. Uh. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think she did the best she could. It's been three years, and the last time she fought, she looked like she wanted to do nothing less than fight in the octagon. Like, you know who else didn't show up? Who? The Venom fight gear. <laughs> the wardrobe was struggling in that fight. Yeah, it was struggling. <laughs> you know who else was struggling? The Portuguese interpreter. <laughs> So, like, Perez wins, and she starts twerking and shaking her ass, right? Mm -hmm. She's got a dump truck. Sure. And uh, the uh, the uh, interpreter, who is the same guy who's who's been around as of late, I mean, tenured, like, professional, yeah. pro probably the best in the business, right? 
Honestly, and, uh, in, in sports, he's probably the best interpreter out there. Yeah, fantastic. Like, I, I think he does a fantastic job. Uh, but he kind of gave a look when she was doing it, and it threw him off, and he got a little bit embarrassed. And so he started to trans, like, you know, he's doing the translations. So when he went to go talk to Perez, he started talking in English because he was so thrown off. And DC <laughs> called him out. He's like, look at you. You're talking in English to her. And he was just, he just geeked out and, like, got all red, like, beat red, like Dana oh. White red. Oh, it was so great, dude. Go watch it. Go watch I'll that watch part. that. I'll watch that. I did Skip watch that. Skip the fight, but watch I that. Did, I did piece my way through the fight, and I was just like, I watched him. Like, Ashley Evan Smith is like getting out grappled out here. She's getting out boxed out here. So, in a nutshell, uh, Perez wanted a knockout. Like, she yeah. could have gotten a submission at multiple points in this fight, but she didn't want it at all. Never did she attempt one. Plenty of rear naked chokes there for the taking. She just didn't want it because she wanted a knockout. But Ashley Evan Smith, she's tough. It's probably her best quality in terms of fighting. Um, but she wasn't. Oh shit! Perez actually landed the uh, UFC record for most takedowns in a single fight in the bantamweight division with ten. Jesus. Yeah. That's really extra embarrassing because Ashley Evan Smith's whole thing is that before she. She fought. She was actually uh, like an amateur wrestler. Yeah. And um, yeah, she just I don't I was shocked she came back because she really did not seem like a person that wanted to fight anymore. Well, she's made a lot of changes in her personal life and cleaned up a lot of the way she was living. And these Mm -hmm. are her words. Um, so I think she got clean and was like, you know what? I want to give this a try with a sober mind, which I, Hey, whatever, yeah, go for sure. it. You yeah. Know, fair make, fair make, enough to make her. Make your money. Yeah. Well, I, I hope that, uh, you know, I hope she finds the solace in this then because it's, uh, I don't know. I don't know, but it was definitely worth it to watch that interpreter get embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Bless his heart, man. Shout out to him. All right. Wrapping things back up at the top, as we say, big story here. Myra Buena Silva really ought to be next for the title shot. She is the most fun contender that division has seen in several minutes. And uh, yeah, just don't screw around. Yeah, I know- stop, stop with the wall install. Yeah, I know I know that we all like and respect Raquel Bennington. I know she's doing her damnedest to put together a resume that tells you she should get next, but Myra Buena Silva should get next and Pennington can have the title shot after that. Yeah, absolutely. You know. All Ninja right. choke. Ninja choke. That's right, Ninja Choke. All right, on that note, if you are a Substack subscriber, which you all should be because we're beautiful. Um, then you can find us right back here in just a minute for a little bonus content. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. 
Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcasts and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection Main Card and Prelims UFC Preview Shows, the Sixth Round Post Fight Show, the Show Money Podcast, and the MMA Depressed Us.